Um, Father, I want to thank you uh, that uh, just another year. It's remarkable to me, 2023. Like I remember graduating high school, you know, 30 years ago and thinking like I'll never be that old. <laughs> and here we are. Um, and God, by your grace, you've kept us and you've kept us together. And we, we pray, God, that you would help us to look forward, that you would help us to discern what your spirit is saying to each one of us, how to walk with you, how to hear you, and how to grow. And God, I, I just pray for open hearts, receptive hearts. And I pray that the things that we talk about this morning would be encouraging. So we ask that you'd be with us, lead us, anoint me to speak clearly. We ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now, I, I will say I like fresh beginnings. How many of you guys like fresh beginnings? I like starts. I like starting lines. I like do-overs. I, I like all of that stuff. So I am looking forward to 2023. Um, 2022 was a difficult year. Uh, some really highlights and some really lowlights, and some of you would say the same. Some of you may maybe had a great year. I don't know. But for me, there was lots of ups and downs. So I'm looking forward to a fresh start, uh, and I hope that you all are as well. Now, I'm a guy, I like chances. How many of you guys like chances? Like you go to the fair and you play the game and you throw a ball, then you throw another ball because it's chances, right? Okay, you guys even awake this morning. You guys are killing me right now. You guys like that? Okay, so, so I like things. I also like success though. So I like chances, but I like being successful. So, so I told you guys we do like a, a football pool with my brother-in-law. Now, for those of you who don't do football, you can check out for a second if you want. This is just a little intro, but, but we do this football pool. And we, we pick six games every week, and we try to pick the six most contentious games, the ones that you think there's over-unders, like there could be upsets and that kind of stuff. We pick them, and the goal is to pick all six correct, i.e. success, right? Okay, come on, help me, church. Yeah, success, you're with me. And we also do point spread. So for every game that you're right, you get a point. For every game that you guess the spread, you get another half a point. And if you get, guess all six, you get plus two points. Well, in this thing, I'm in third place. And if you guys know me, third place doesn't roll with me. Like, I like winning. I don't like, like, yeah, second place is the first loser as far as I'm concerned. Like, that, that doesn't work for me. So, so we're competing last week. And guess who got the first six picks all season? Come on, give it up for your pastor. And, and I got the point spread for the Vikings game. Woo, I'm like, yes, six points, two for the pick six, a half a point for the spread. Third place, I'm like, I'm coming up on first, except for my brother-in-law, Doug, got pick six also. He's in first place, by the way, so I only gained a half a point on him. I'm a little disappointed by that. Doug, I hope you're watching. I'm a little mad at you. I like chances. Now, that's funny, but when your life is on the line, chances can be what? Scary. They can be challenging, can't they? They can be things where you're looking at, you're like, holy cow, this could all crash and burn, and my life could be in a really, really bad place if that's what happens. So when it's your life, and you're seeking God's favor and blessing, you've always got this going on. How many of you guys want to know God's will? Help me. I, I do. You know, and I would like to think that if we're sitting in the room, we're watching online, that we're people who love God. We want to honor him with our lives. We want to know what he wants for us. But the challenge with this, and I don't know if this is just me, but this is probably you as well, that when I want to do God's will, I'm in there somewhere. And I want things that I want. Anybody else want things they want? And we just sometimes assume that whatever we want is what God wants for us, right? Well, this morning, I want to talk to you about discerning God's will. How do you discern it? How do you hear his voice? How do you know when he's saying yes and no, 
go, don't go. You know, it's interesting that when you look at the scriptures, as particularly the book of Acts, you'll see oftentimes where God would release them into a new season or he would prevent them from going somewhere. And a lot of times, this is just my experience as a pastor and, and meeting with people, working with people, my own life included, is that we often just think that whatever I want is what God wants. Now, desire comes from God. I understand this. But sometimes our wants and God's desires are not always the same thing. So I wanted to just talk to you about starting the year, just a quick message on how do we discern? How do we hear his voice? How do we know which way to go? How do we answer the question of God, what are you up to? You know, I, I so often hear people say to me stuff like this, but pastor, I prayed. I was positive God was in it. Anybody ever felt positive God was in it and then it didn't go your way? Okay, listen, listen. This is not notes, this is free. This is free. That means listen. Usually when I say it's free, it means it's in the moment. God is good. Oftentimes, God will put us in a position where we think he's answering our prayers so that he can shape us. Because no other thing occurring in our life would put us in a position where we would lean or press into him in that moment like we would when we feel discouraged because it didn't happen. Am I telling the truth right now? See, see, sometimes what we think, God is trying to bless me and promote me, and God is saying... I'm actually trying to shape you and transform you into my image. I'm making you like me. And often that means he's, he's like setting you up a little bit. I don't like that he does that, but then I love that he does that because I like the outcome, amen? But in the moment, doesn't it feel like what the heck just happened? Am I talking to anybody this morning? What the, I, I feel that way, man. So, so listen, when we're talking about this, I want to lay a couple of foundational items, just some, some ideas, and then I'm going to pick up like a handful of sand and throw it at y'all, and some of them might hit you, some of them won't. Now, not literal sand, throw principles at you. Maybe some will be meaningful to you. Maybe you'll go, eh, that doesn't really apply to me. My hope is that you take some away and it'll help you to kind of discern what God is up to. So the very first thing I've got to say, though, is when we're talking about some foundational things, I'm assuming, say pastor is assuming, that we're talking about righteous living. Like I'm assuming you're honoring God. Okay, I'm assuming I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not assuming this. I'm not assuming when we have this discussion that you're living in sin and you're asking God to bless your sin. Okay, let's just take that off the table. I'm assuming you're trying to honor him. Amen. Okay, so that's the first thing. The, the second thing is this. God, you have to understand this about God. He will use everything in your life. Somebody say everything. He'll use everything. You mean he'll use my failure? Yes. He'll use my success? Yes. He will use everything in your life to shape who he wants you to become. See, and to me, that's in the moment. Can we be honest in the moment? Isn't that kind of frustrating? You're like, God, I'm done. Like, man, it's like God's got a grinder and a chisel. He's always working on me. I'm like, can't we just like be okay and move forward? Don't you, anybody else ever feel that way? Like, I just want to be okay. Listen, Romans 8, 28. Look, look at what he says. It's a common verse. You should memorize it if you don't know it. And we know that God causes all things, so I say all things, to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. So, so I looked up the word all, and, and it means all. It, does, it literally means everything in your life. I would love to give you some, oh, it's Greek, and it twists this way. No, it just means all. Everything in your life God will use, and he'll produce good. So, so listen. As a foundational principle, God is always at work. He's always bringing out good. Listen, hang in there. 
If it's not good, he's not quite done yet. Just hang in there. Sometimes God's timetable and ours, they're way different. Okay, so that's just a foundational one. The second foundational principle is this. Fear and faith, they go like this. Fear and faith are super, super close. You're like, I don't get it, Pastor. What do you mean? Anytime God has ever asked me to step out in faith, I was afraid to. Hello? Otherwise, it doesn't take what? Faith. It doesn't take faith. See, I ask people this all the time. What's the opposite of faith? See, we've got some Bible students in here. Most people say this, unbelief. Trust, distrust. I believe, I don't believe. The opposite of faith biblically is fear. They always go like this. So if you're going to take a step of faith, you know, like, I, like I'm, I'm looking, Bella's sitting there smiling and her boyfriend Chandler sitting, he's about to leave to go take a step of faith in training, about to take a huge step in his life professionally. And I asked him this morning, I said, how are you doing? You're a little stressed out. He's all, dude, <laughs> because, but, but I under, everything that he knows to be familiar is about to shift. Now, gra granted, these are shifts that are really positive. But I'm also like, I'm looking at Elena in the back row. She's about to leave to YWAM next week. I'm like, big shift. Looking at Bella sitting next to Chandler. She's leaving at the end of the month to Australia. Big shift. And I go, man, all of these folks are going to need our prayers. Hello? All of them. And maybe if I didn't catch you, you can throw a rock at me later or something. Say, Pastor, I need your prayers too. Because I understand this, that big changes, we face fear. We have to walk in faith. It's just part of the gig. Listen, in, in Hebrews, he, he says this, the writer of Hebrews in 11.6, he says this, without faith, it is impossible to please God. For, for he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is the rewarder of those who seek him. This idea of faith, belief, assurance, trust, and, and the idea of impossible, like you realize there is no way for you to please God without faith. But pastor, what if I serve a whole bunch? Does that please God? Oh, God likes it when we serve. But your service should be associated with faith. What about if I give a lot of money, pastors? God like me when I give a lot of money. He likes it when you're generous, but only if it's associated with faith. Man, is that wild? Like God doesn't even take it if it's not in faith. That should challenge all of us, shouldn't it? He's saying, man, without faith, it is impossible. Man, I, I love, I love encouraging people. Face your fears because faith and fear, they're bedfellows. Timothy, when Paul was writing to him, he said this. He said, God hasn't given you a spirit of timidity, 2 Timothy 1.7, but, but of power, love, and, a, and discipline. By the way, that word timidity in most of your versions can be translated fear. We get, it comes from the word phobos. We get the word phobia from it. Anybody afraid of spiders? I hate spiders. We were camping the other day up in a cabin in Big Bear and a spider dropped and Chandler threw it at Maddie, his sister. It was chaos because she's, and then she tried to throw it at me. I locked myself in the bathroom. I hate spiders. I hate them. Don't give me a spy. I hate spiders. I'm afraid of them. They could like chew my head off or something. I'm afraid of them. Listen, true faith, if you're going to walk in true faith, you're going to, you're going to have to face fear. You're going to have to face fear. If you're really going to walk in faith, those things are bedfellows. Those are just foundations. Like the truth is this, faith is, a, is like a position of humility for us. It's us saying to God, I need you. I can't do this without you. Can we say that together? God, I can't do this without you. That's life. 
Man, sometimes we get a little too dependent on ourselves. I'm talking to myself right now. Can't do it without him. We're not supposed to do it without him. But those are just foundations. Those are just like God is always good. He's always at work. He wants us to walk in faith and fear is always going to be colliding with that step. The next thing would be this. Now, again, this is where I'm picking up the sand and I'm throwing it. If it hits you, great. These are all principles that I would encourage you practice. If I'm honest, when I started to put this together, I started to go, man, I need to do this more myself. Because being a good Bible teacher and a good practitioner are not often the same things. I can tell you truth all day long, but walking in it, whole different story, isn't it? But I want to walk, well, I want to live what I preach. You get what I'm saying? And I want to encourage you to do the same. So seek him and delight in him. This is the next one. People always ask me, how do you know what God's will is? Pastor, how do you hear his voice? Do I take this job or that job? Do I marry this girl or, or that girl or this guy? Or, or what should I do? Should, should we move out of state? That's been a popular one in California the last couple of years. A lot of people ask, should I move? And this is always what I say to them. You got you to listen to God. You got to get with God. Because listen, where sin abounds, grace abounds all the more. Do you want to be where God is up, at, up and working? Because there's a lot of sin in California. Hello? A lot of sin in California. So if there's a lot of sin, that means there's also a lot of what? Grace. Because where sin abounds, grace abounds all the more. So there's times like, do I want to go to a place where everybody believes in Jesus and it's all simple? Yeah. I do. It's ways. That's why I like church so much. I get with y'all. Y'all love Jesus. I'm like, we were all on the same team. I walk out there. Everybody's crazy. They're crazy. They're doing craziness and they're wanting me. Like, man, it's wild out there. And so I find myself stopping going, wait, but God, where do you want me? Where do you want me? Where is my life going to impact other people's lives for your glory? What's your will for me? See, because all of us have that question. And how do I know what he wants for me? Those are real, see, listen, listen. The first thing I'm gonna to say to you is this, seek him, seek him. In, in 2 Chronicles 69, it says this, that the, the eyes of the Lord move to and fro throughout the, the earth. In other words, God's always watching that he may strongly support those whose heart is completely his. Man, how many of you guys want God to support your heart because you've given it to him? Come on, let's get an amen from that. Because that, but I love this. In some of your versions, it'll say this, that, that the eyes of the Lord go to and fro in the earth, seeking to strengthen the hearts of those who are diligently for him. Just different versions. But man, uh, the next thing would be this, delight in him. Like find pleasure in God. I don't know if you've ever really thought about that. Like, I, like my wife said to me recently, she said, she said like all this stuff was going on. She goes, oh, but, but you can go to church because Jesus is your best friend anyways. Now, that almost sounds like it'd be offensive. And I look back at her, I said, he is. I, listen, I love my wife. She's really cool. She's, very, she's great. Jesus is the only person in my life that's never let me down. Period. Look, I got faithful friends. Like, I'm looking around the room. I see Pastor Russ, see Vic in the back row, people I've known forever, people I love who want to do what God wants. But you know what? They've all failed me at different times. And I failed them too. It's a reality. We're human. Jesus never what? Never fails. Never fails. And I love that about him. Delight in him. Psalm 37, 4, it says this. Delight yourself in the Lord, and then he'll give you the desires of your heart. In other words, place God first. Prioritize him. Find pleasure in him. The rest will flow. Now, there's lots of verses that say that. that that's just one of my favorite. Now, that word delight, to find pleasure and be happy, literally means this, to be soft. In other words, to be tender-hearted, toward God. 
You ever find yourself get hard, hard, crusty hearted toward God? Like just, no, God, I don't want to do that. I get that way sometimes. Like I got up this morning, I was grouchy yesterday morning, actually. And I was, finally my wife looked at me like, what's up with you? You've been happy for a few years. I'm like, I went out of the room and I came back in. I'm sorry, honey. (laughs) We all have our moments. But then we had a really good day, so that's cool. But, But listen, delight in him. Keep your heart tender toward his heart. That's how you discern his will. That's how you discern what he's up to. You keep a tender heart toward him. What about prayer? Do you think prayer is important? If you're trying to discern his will? Man, let me, listen, understanding prayer means this. You're understanding that in prayer, you're building a relationship. Like this is often what I see in believers. I see it in myself too. I go to God and I ask, and then I never stop and wait for the answer. Anybody, come on, help me. Anybody else in the room do that? Oh God, this thing and that, and what about this? And I want you to work in this. And I go, okay, let's get some coffee and go. Because there are things to get done, right? And God's like, whoa, whoa, wait, hey, wait a minute. Like, let me talk to you a little bit about, about the next steps. Like, I'm not patient. Anybody else in the room not patient? I'm not patient. Like, you know what's interesting? And again, this is a free one. Um, when you're not patient, a lot of times where God will place you is he'll place you in adversity to teach you patience. Trouble works patience. Like, I don't like that truth, but I know that it is true. So sometimes when I'm impatient, I find that things get even more chaotic around me. So that I'll stop and go, okay, God, what, what are you saying? What are you up to? And it just forces me back into his will. Like, like even Jesus, like Jesus, when he was trying to teach us how to walk with God in, in a prayer life in Matthew 6, in verse 9, he said this. He says, pray this way then. If, in other words, if you're going to go to God with something, pray this way. Our Father who's in heaven, hallowed be your name. In other words, God, you are holy. You're holy. He says, your kingdom come. Ooh, that's, that's really important, by the way. You're, you're saying you're the king of your kingdom, and I want it in my life. That's what you're saying. Your will be done. Uh-oh. But God, I have ideas. My ideas are really good, God. Anybody else have really good ideas? I got good ideas. I've got ideas that build God's kingdom that aren't God's ideas to build God's kingdom. Like, like, listen, the beginning of the year, it's always for pastor, the elders. We go on a retreat in a couple weeks, and, and we go and we pray, like, what is God saying for the next year? And when we're spending time together, I go in with an agenda, all these things that I think we should be doing. And you know the most difficult part is stopping and listening to what God is saying to do. That's so hard to do. Because you're thinking, man, we got to be busy, got to do that, got to, there should be meetings and home groups and, and discipleship groups, and we got to meet with people, help them grow. We got to do stuff, right? right. And God says, I, yeah, you do need to do stuff, but you got to do the stuff I tell you to do. Okay, so I'm, I'm beating you guys to death, but prayer, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, forgive us our, our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into, into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. He he does this. Jesus says, listen, you should pray your kingdom, your will. That's a good prayer. God, I want your kingdom and I want your will. I mean, that's a good prayer for us right now. God, we want your kingdom and we want your will in each one of our lives. And we want it as a church. We don't want to do things because we're busy. We want to do what you're up to. Like, and I always marveled at the stuff that Jesus would do. Like, Lazarus is dying, Jesus, you should come quick. 
So he goes the long way to get there. It makes no sense at all. It almost seems mean. But he was demonstrating his power and authority over death. He shows up three days, Lazarus like, he stinks now, God. He's been in the tomb. He stinks. Don't go get him out now. And then Jesus, just with a simple command, Lazarus, come forth. Because he's demonstrating his authority over death. It doesn't make sense, but it demonstrates his glory. That's important for us. Sometimes the way God works doesn't make sense, but it demonstrates his glory. Hang in there. Hang in there. He will demonstrate his glory in your life. I mean, think like this. That prayer was Jesus, the Messiah, praying to the Father in demonstration of how we should pray, saying, I want your kingdom and your will. Man, if he had to pray that way, do we ever need to pray that way? So prayer is significant, really important in building foundations of discerning God's voice, discerning his will, and walking in it. The next one is this. The next one is this. How about the word of God? How important is the word of God? You know, why read your Bible anyways? Like, I mean, come on, let's be real. You can get on the internet right now and you can listen to better preachers than me, one right after the other, teaching you the word of God, talking about how to walk with Jesus. You can get in your car, drive to work, listen to people all the way to work. If you've got a job where you can listen, you can listen at work. You can drive home and listen. You're like, I don't need to read my Bible. I got people telling me about Jesus all day long, pastor. You know what the difference is? You, don't, you won't know him. You know, somebody else's idea about him. And that's not bad. You should be instructed. Those are all great things. But there's something distinctly different. Like you guys hear me throw the word around like, do you have a devotional life? You know what a devotional life means? That in that window of time, you are devoting your attention to the king of the universe and asking him, what's your will in my life? I encourage young people, old people, like get up in the morning, find a window with God and do it. People go, why can't I do it at night? Because you'll fall asleep. By the way, do it at night too. That's not a bad thing. But I always, his mercies are new in the morning. I go in the morning. I get up. I do use devotionals. So you guys know I have a couple of them that I'm using right now. One's out of Genesis. Another one is just, um, it, it's a bunch of the, the, the Stoics, like the, the middle age folks writing about God. It's really cool. It's pretty deep actually. And I use those and I read my Bible. And I do this like almost every morning, pretty much every morning. I read, God, what are you saying? How do I hear you? Trying to focus my attention on him. I want to encourage you to do the same. Why do you need the word? Because the word, it, it builds your understanding of God. When you read it, you discover him in a different way. And, and it builds also your understanding of you. You're like, Pastor, I know me. No, no you don't. Remember that, that pesky little scripture that says something about the heart being deceitful and desperately wicked? Who can know it? It's I, the Lord. Like, you don't even know you. Oh, I would never do that. And you're like, oh yeah, put in the right position. Listen, you guys will think this is maybe weird or funny, but it's a safeguard. I don't touch the money in this church. I never have. You can ask Celeste, Celeste, how long have you been working for me? Like eight years, nine years? Yeah. Have I ever touched the money in the nine years? I don't touch the money. I don't know what you give. I don't know who gives. I don't care. I do care because I want you to honor God, but I, I, don't, I don't care to know. And you know why? Because I don't want my heart to go weird. I don't want to be tempted to take something that doesn't belong to me. I just stay away from it. I want to serve you with an open heart regardless of what I know about money. Only time I look, only time I look is elders. Only time. I look at the elders. If you get nominated to be an elder, we look. 
Why do we look? Because you have to be able to, to steward stuff in order to steward people. That's what Jesus said. Why would I trust true riches to you if you can't handle mammon? So that's what we do. That's the only time I ever look. And I don't even know the number. I ask Celeste. Celeste, is there something that looks like a tithe? You can ask her. We got elder nominations. You're like, you guys are boring me. No, no, no. Just telling you, it's important to keep boundaries around yourself so that you keep your heart straight. See, because when you get into the word, you'll understand God better. You'll also understand yourself better. Hebrews 4, 12 and 13, it says this, for the word of God is living, active, and sharp. Whew. So why should you read it? Because it's vibrant and alive. It's always doing something and it'll cut through all of the stuff. Man, anybody ever had a, a hard heart towards somebody? Somebody hurts you and you're kind of bitter toward you, frustrated, you a hard time to forgive them. And God, God gets in there with that sharp word and he goes, yeah, if you don't forgive them, I won't forgive you. You're like, ooh, ouch. I don't like that word, God. He's like, yeah, but I want you to live in freedom. So if you forgive, you walk in freedom. If you don't forgive, you stay stuck. I love this, this definition of forgiveness and bitterness or, or walking in bitterness. Bitterness is like drinking poison and hoping it kills the other person. It's the best definition I've ever heard of bitterness. When you live in forgiveness, it creates a flow of freedom. See, see that living, active, and sharp word, word is important for you because it helps you discover God. It also helps you to discover you. It goes on to say this in, in Hebrews 4.12. It says that it pierces as far as the division of soul and spirit. Now watch, keep it on the board though, because I'm going to keep going, but I'm going to break this down a little bit. Soul and spirit, this is what you feel, what you think, what you emote, how you act versus what the spirit of God is saying to do in you. It'll separate like, you ever had an idea like I'm entitled to feel this way? And the spirit of God goes, no, you're not. They know how much I've done for them. Spirit of God's like, humility, that, that's not, the, that, uh-uh, not okay with that. And he just separates right through that. Like anytime you make a case, the spirit of God will come in with the word of God and just go, no, that's wrong thinking. By the way, sometimes he'll use that significant other in your life, like your wife or your husband, to say that is bad what? Thinking. Uses the word to just get in there. He says, I'll separate those two things in you. I'll even separate joints and marrow, your physical makeup, and I'm able to judge the thoughts and intentions of your heart, the true motivations for why you are where you are. And he says this, he said, there is no creature or nothing hidden in his sight, but all things are laid bare and open to God. See, listen, God is going to test your heart. He's going to prove it in, in the effort to make you more like him. So important because otherwise it's just like, oh, so God wants to show me how bad I am. No. That's not, that's not the God I know. God will show you yourself and then show you a picture of who you can be. And it says, here's the way son, walk in it. Here's the way daughter, walk in it. He's always calling us up higher ground, amen? Okay, so the word is super important. How about seeking counsel? Is counsel important? Like sometimes we don't, like, like, I, like I'm a leader and I'm the senior leader here. And as the senior leader here, I have ideas. And, and you know, you kind of just roll like you move. And it's not that you don't want people's input, but sometimes you're just trying to get stuff done. But talking to anybody else? Yep. Yeah, yeah, you know what I'm talking And sometimes it's important to stop because God works in multiples. Proverbs 15:22 says, without consultation, plans are frustrated, but with many counselors, they succeed. So I've started to really practice stuff in my life where I just ask for input. 
and I go to people who are smarter than me. Like, like, listen, don't go to somebody broke and ask them about money. Don't go to somebody who's been married 17 times and ask them about marriage. No, they might tell you all the things not to do, but they won't tell you what to do because they failed so many times. Like, I look for people who've been married 50 years, like, like Bill. How'd you put up with her for 59? <laughs> you know I'm playing you. I think it's the reverse. Oh, Judy, how did you put up with him? How, how many years, you guys? 54? 55 years. Wow. Like that, I, I'm stuck. We're about to celebrate 25. We're not even halfway. I just go, man, they, they know something I don't. They do. They know something I don't, and I want to learn. So I ask people who are further along than me, how do I do? Seek counsel. You have ideas, you have plans, seek counsel. Like even on the elder board with the church, I go in the room with ideas and I say, what do you guys think? Like, should we start another ministry? Do we do this outreach? Do we do this homeless thing? Do we start another church? What do you guys think? And they all talk. We pray and we listen. We're like, God, what are you up to? What do you want us to do? Because you don't want to move out of his will. And in a multitude of counselors is found wisdom. There's success in that plan. So quick list for counsel. Husbands, I'm talking to you particularly. Your wife is one of the first people you should ask. If she's in disagreement, you probably shouldn't do it. Just straight up, ladies, same for you. You should probably ask. It'd create conflict if you don't ask. Um, young people, ask your parents. Sometimes you think, now oh, my parents don't understand me. They've never been 20. <laughs> They're not as stupid as you think they are. I'm just saying. They're, they're pretty smart. You, sh you should ask them. Ask them what they think. Um, maybe your pastor or spiritual leader, some of the leaders in the church, the elders, somebody you trust spiritually, ask them. You might get some insight. You might get some wisdom in the decision that you're about to make. Okay, so counsel. So, so again, prayer is important. The word is important. Counsel is important. Delighting in his will is important. In other words, you should be excited about doing what God wants. You mean I should? Yeah, you should. Uh, Psalm 40, verse 8. I delight to do your will, oh my God. Wow, you really? You, I delight to do your, like, is the primary thing on your heart is I want to do what God wants? Because if it's not, it should be. It really should be. Like, listen, you were bought with the price. You're no longer your own. You don't belong to you anymore. Listen, this is a big misunderstanding, particularly in the American church. Yours is not yours. It's his. See, the exchange of heaven was your life. I'll give you real life if you'll give me your life. That's the exchange. I'll forgive you of all the mess, and I'll put you on a destiny and a plan, my will that is better than anything you've ever dreamed of. And it'll be good for you, and it'll be good for those around you. Listen, I delight to do your will. Psalm 37, 4, we already cited this, but delight yourself in the Lord. He'll give you the desires of your heart. Delight in God. Place him first. See, we're fruitful when we're in his will. So do you delight in his will? If not, start praying that way. God, I want to know your will, and I want to be joyful about it. I want to be excited about doing what you want. By the way, how many of you guys feel like you're pretty smart? Like, I feel like I'm pretty smart. I do. Like, I'm not being frivolous. I like, God gave me intelligence. I'm not being arrogant right now. I'm not saying I'm smarter than you. I don't think I'm a total idiot. You know the problem with that? I'm not smart enough. I'm not. Like, like listen, th this is what, what the Bible says about smarts. 
James 1, 5, and 6, if any one of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God. Ever lacked wisdom? You should ask God. You know what I've found? Man, tell me if this happens to you guys. I like people a lot. Anybody else like people? I like people. I, by the way, I like people's opinions, and I like when people's opinions of me are positive. I do. So a lot of times, I'll go and I'll get people's opinions of what should happen, listen, rather than God's wisdom of what should happen. Listen, people are important, spiritual people in your life, mentors, people who give you God's will, God's word. Those are great. They're wonderful. But they should never take the place of God. I need wisdom. I need your wisdom. Like I found myself, like I was assessing this when I was putting this together. I'm like, okay, what decisions did I make over the last year or two that I got people's opinions but not God's? And then watch, watch. And how did those play out in my life? Did they create peace or tension? Sadly, every single one of them created tension. Every one of them, without exception. Now, I'm not going to tell you what they are. I don't need to hear all my dirty laundry. But I'm just telling you, if, if you will seek counsel, you'll prevent yourself from being in this stuck spot, pleasing people as opposed to pleasing God. Because ultimately, we're in this to please God. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously. Somebody say generously. Man, I need some generous wisdom. Hello? Like, I, I'm honestly of the opinion we make life way too hard. I think if we'd lean into God a little more, he'd lean into us a lot more. I don't think he's withholding answers often. I think we're simply not asking. We have not often because we ask not. So, you, so young people, you're thinking about dating some girl or guy or whatever? Ask. God, is this the one? Thinking about doing this profession or that? Ask. Is this, is this it, God? I need your wisdom. I need to know what to do. And then walk in it. And you'll be surprised where he'll meet you because when your life is surrendered to his will, he meets and he provides and he sustains. He does all of that. Like I, I look, I'm looking at Elena and Bella and both of them, like I said, are about to go to YWAM. And I said to them at the front end, big chunks of money, thousands and thousands of dollars for them to do this. And I said this to them, I've never seen God not provide for somebody who wants to do what both of you are about to do. I've always watched him meet it. Sometimes he met it on the last day I mean, I've watched him do it in the last minute, but I've never seen somebody who wants to serve God have him not provide what they need to go. I'm pretty sure you guys are close to your marks, if not have met them. Pretty sure. That means uh, some of y'all, you, you need Annie up, help him out a little bit. I'm just saying, okay, let's keep going. I'm teasing, but God is faithful is what I'm saying. You, you, can, never, you can never put yourself in a position with God to go somewhere and not have him meet it. He says, man, he'll supply generously. And then he says, but listen, when you do this, verse 6, he says, but you should ask in faith and not doubt. Like I said, it's impossible to please God without faith. For the one who doubts is like the sea or the surf of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. So listen, encouragement, again, encouragement. Seek, seek, seek God's wisdom. It's super, super important. Remember this also, patience and wisdom go hand in hand. Slow down a little. Just encourage you to slow down a little. A lot of times God is, is working patience in you as he's releasing the answer. Go slow. Wait till God leads you is what I'm saying. Okay, and then the next thing is this, and I'll move pretty fast. We're going to take communion together at the end. Um, trust his leading. Trust how he's leading you. Don't get double-minded in the middle of it. Double-minded man, James said, is unstable in all of his ways. 
in all of his ways, not some of his ways, all of his ways. Trust is leading. Like, like, like the biggest challenge for me is I like being in control. Anybody else like control? Like, I don't know when it's happening, what's happening, how it's going to happen. Where did the money come from? How are we going to get? I want to be in control of everything. God doesn't work very well with that. Like, sometimes I feel like this, like I'm trying to control my life. I feel like a little kid in the back seat with the steering wheel on his baby carrier. Like I'm in the back seat, like, like I think I'm driving the car. And God's like, yeah, you just have fun back there because he's steering. You got to get that. He's the one driving it. Listen, lay down the control. Lay down the control. Tell me if this happens to you. Sometimes I, I forget he's God. I just forget he's God. Like, I think we're in a partnership, friendship. Like, we're doing this thing together. And the truth is, he's doing it through me. Like, you got to get that. Sometimes I forget. Sometimes this, I just want to be in control. Anybody else want to be in control? Sometimes, just saying. Sometimes I'm a little afraid. A little afraid. This is a big step. It's scary. What if you, what if you don't come through, God? It's easy for me to believe for them. It's harder for me to believe for me. Am I talking to anybody right now? Hello? See, it's, those things shift. See, this is what Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says. It says, trust in the Lord with most of your heart. Oh, thanks for correcting me. <laughs> trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Do not lean to your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he'll make your path straight. Keep leaning into God. Keep putting your trust in God. He'll keep meeting you at every crossroad to lead you in the right way. And then, like I said at the very beginning, man, I like second chances. When you go left when you're supposed to go right, he's really good at getting you back on the correct road. He's really good at it. There's a point of humility and surrender and trust, but man, he is really good at getting you where you need to go. Listen, I'm only talking to probably a few of you right now. I just want to say this out loud. God did not abandon you. He never abandons anyone. I thought he told me to go this way and then he left me out to dry. No, no, he didn't. He never does that. Now, he might be teaching you some stuff you don't want to learn right now, but he doesn't ever abandon you. He can't. He would be violating who he is. He can't do it. He loves you with an unkid. Why would he send himself to the cross and then give up on you? It makes no sense. He didn't abandon you. So I just think there's a point of like, God, I just need you to show yourself to me because I do want to do what you're saying. Okay, so trusting his lead. How about this? Follow the Holy Spirit's lead. I only got three more, you guys, who were taking communion. I'll go fast, I promise. But stay focused. Don't lose. Follow the Holy Spirit's lead. Like, listen, listen to the still small voice. This is really, really important because we want megaphones. How many of you guys like megaphones? I like it when things are really clear. I like it when I'm driving. Like, I like Google Maps and I like Siri Maps. You know why? Because they'll say like in 900 feet, you're going to go left. I'm like, woo, why can't I get that app from God? Like in 900 feet, James, you're going to go left. This is what I find. It's like, oh, I think that might be the turn. God, hello, hello. He's, go left, go left. Woo! You know, I'm turning quick. Man, this is what I, I, I like it when it's really obvious and God says, no, I like it when you're really listening. See, because what I found is this for me. I have a hard time following God when I'm not still. I don't know if you guys remember the story of Elijah, like he's seeking God's direction. I'm the only one left. All the prophets of Baal and all the other prophets bailed. And it's just me, God. And, and then there's this big wind and the rocks are falling off the mountain. And he, no God. 
Then there's an earthquake. And he's like, that's got to be no God. Then there's fire. It's got to be. I mean, God even calls himself a consuming fire. No God. And then he's sitting there and he hears this whisper. Elijah. L listen, you ain't going to hear that whisper if you're loud and busy. You won't. Now, what I just said to you, in my estimation, in my opinion, is the most difficult thing of walking with God because we are so antsy and we're so busy and we're so full of social media. There's always something distracting us. Man, I get up in the morning, I got to know, like, who went somewhere last night? I want to know, like, where did you go? And, oh, heck, you shouldn't have been there. No, <laughs> I, just, I just do that. I have to like discipline myself. Don't look at your phone. Yeah. Just put it away. Set it aside. Flip it upside down. Don't get distracted. Read your devotional. Pray. Get into the word a little bit. Don't get distracted. Oh, but there's devotions on my Facebook. Don't get distracted. Sit with God and listen. Because the voice is quiet a lot of the times. It's not a megaphone. Sometimes it's a real still. Hey, James, go this way. What was that, God? Go this way. God, that doesn't make sense to me. I know, trust me. Oh, okay, I'm a little afraid. It's okay. I'll be a strong tower to you. Listen, this is how it happens, folks. I'm just sharing with you how it really happens. If you will quiet yourself, he will speak, and he'll tell you where to go, and he'll help you face the fears, the uncertainties, the insecurities, all of those things. Just keep positioning yourself with God. Follow the Spirit's lead. Like, man, like I said, I like big and obvious. Don't go after big and obvious. How about this one? Peace. Again, I'm just picking up the sand and throwing it. Any of these hitting y'all? Hopefully they're hitting. Hopefully more than one. I hope they're hitting you. See, peace, peace is connected to the presence of God. It's part of why I keep saying to you, get with God. Devote yourself. Give him time. Sit with him. Because his peace and his presence are connected. Anytime God is present, you will be at peace even if there's chaos all around you. It's wild to me. I've been in the middle of massive like, whoa, I can't believe this is going down. And I go, God, where are you? Oh, you're here. Everybody else freaking out. I'm like, I'm good. <laughs> you know, they think I'm weirdo. Like, oh, you're just that Jesus person. Yep. <laughs> yes, I am. Because that's the only way I can survive this crazy world. Peace is connected to his presence. Isaiah 26.3, it says, the steadfast mind you will keep in perfect peace. Speaking of God, because he trusts in you. Steadfast, this literally means to lean into something. It's like a support. So if you will lean into God as your support, your mind will stay steadfast. Now, I mean, just assess it yourself, you guys. Consider your own challenges this week. Did you lean into God or not? And when you did, was, did it work? And the times you didn't, did it not work? It's so simple to assess. Because if we're honest, when we lean into God, we're stable. When we don't, we're not. Really is that simple. It's really not rocket science. It's really just doing it his way. And then it says that he'll keep you in perfect peace. In the Hebrew, it's shalom, shalom, repeated. Anytime you see a repeat in the Bible, it means like, hey, this is super great, super important. He'll keep you in perfect peace. He'll keep you in peace with peace. It's like getting a cupcake with icing, with more icing, with another cupcake and some more icing. It's like that, for those of you who like cupcakes. I'm quite fond of the cupcake. Anyways, um, he'll keep you in peace. He'll lead you by his peace. Listen, if you don't have peace where you're going, 
stop. Slow down. Pump the brakes a bit. I'm not saying that there won't be challenges, some fear that you're going to battle with, maybe some insecurity, some things that you'll face as you're heading there. But if you don't have a sense of God's presence with you as you're going, don't go. Don't go. Pump the brakes. Slow down. Wait. Listen for the voice. Get some counsel. Pray. Wait. Don't just keep going. It's dangerous. If you, there could be a cliff right ahead, and he's trying to stop you from driving off it. He's like, slow down a little bit. Okay, and the last thing I'm going to say to you, and we're going to take communion together. Always choose good. Again, at the beginning, I said to you, I'm assuming we're not talking about sin. I'm not making a, a comparison between evil and good. I'm making a comparison between good and better. Always choose the best thing that God puts in front of you. Sometimes, sometimes the best thing will cost you something. Don't like it when it costs me something. But the best thing will often be God asking something from you. You guys remember the story of Mary and Martha? And Martha, man, I see, I, I get Martha because I'm kind of a busy dude. Anybody else really busy, like you like getting things done? Like, you, you can have, we, we went and camped up in Big Bear. While we were in Big Bear, I'm in the kitchen. Like, I'm a kitchen guy. You guys know me. I ran restaurants for 26 years. I'm a kitchen guy. Like, I can sling food. So I see the kitchen. I'm like, home. <laughs> like, that's a good, and, and, I, and, and then the service part of me, and I can help. And then I find myself in the kitchen. There were times I'm looking at Dan, I'm like, Dan, this is your job, isn't it? And I feel like I'm stepping on your toes. And I'm like, ooh, meatballs. You know, I'm flipping stuff. I, I just, like, I want to, I, I get like, oh, got to, I'm trying to encourage you, like, man, slow down a little. Be patient a little. Ask God where you're supposed to put your attention a little. You, you might find that some of the things you're pressing toward, you should slow down a little bit. Martha was busy. Martha was running around. She's cooking food. Man, you ever done, like, I'm going to tell all my kids right now. Okay, so we're, we've been home all week because we were off. So we've been cooking a lot. And there's dishes. And so I'm the guy who cooks. Like I said, I'm in the kitchen. I was in the kitchen with Dan. I started doing the dishes after we cooked together. And Dan's like, oh, you got to let somebody else do that. I'm like, well, I don't mind doing dishes. He's like, that's not the point. And I knew what he was saying. Like, make everybody share the load. So I'm at home, and I'm doing the same thing with my kids. And I look at the sink, and I'm like, okay, so I cooked for y'all. No one can do dishes? Like at home, I'm a little more direct. It, you know, when I'm with guests, I'm like washing it. I'm like, can, it, and I felt a little like Martha, like I'm busy, I'm cooking and I'm running and I'm doing stuff. And, it, and so Martha finally looks at Jesus and this is what she says. She, she's like, aren't you gonna make Mary do anything? Modern vernacular, I'm paraphrasing. Aren't you gonna make her do anything? Like I've been cooking, I've been cleaning and you're just, she's just sitting there listening to you. She's just chilling. What a lazy and this is what Jesus says, Martha, man, this is important. Listen for yourself. You worry about everything. Sometimes busyness is really your worry wart. There's fear going on deep inside of you. You stay busy to not sit and listen. He said, Martha, man, you're, you're just going. He said, Mary, she actually chose the better thing. And I'm not going to take that from her. That always, like, I probably read that story without 2,000 times. I'm not playing. And every time I read it, God's like, so Martha, you going to sit down or what? 
I'm like, call me Martha. I'm a boy. Hello? <laughs> Stop. Just sit. Choose the better. Choose the what? The better. Choose the better. Was Martha a bad person for serving? No. Jesus said, if you want to be great in God's kingdom, be a servant of all. But if your service is like dwarfing down or, or pressing down where God really needs you to be, it's the wrong thing. So listen, learn how to choose what's the best thing. Being at Jesus' feet is the best thing. All right, so I want to take a moment, ask, uh, I don't know if it's Santosh or Santosh and team. I just want to do communion together for us to start the year. And I had a couple thoughts as they're coming up just to share with you. And, and we'll take communion together, and then I'm going to send you on your happy way. And maybe I get two pick sixes in a row. That would be awesome because I want to win the football pool. I, I was listening to a, a leader teach on planning this week. Um, and so I, I want to encourage you because, again, it's the new year, right? Starting line. Somebody say starting line. Need to know you all are with me. Somebody say starting line. The, the first of the year, it's like a starting line. You got, a, you got a fresh start. And sometimes with a starting line, you, you've got to have a plan. So, like, you can go through a plan. And I'm going to talk about two things right now. I'm going to talk about the plan, and I'm going to talk about the testimony, the review. So if I forget, say, pastor testimony. Don't forget the testimony. So the plan is this. Like, some of you are going to say something like this. I want to read the whole Bible. Okay, that, that's a good goal. Would you all agree? I want to read the whole Bible. This is what I would ask you back. How many chapters are you going to read a day? Somebody, know, somebody knows the math. Who said three over here? Three. It takes three chapters a day to read the Bible. Now, by the way, there's apps you can download that will put you in two or three different books at a time so that you're not reading three chapters of Leviticus, which is pretty painful, just honestly. I'm just telling you it is. But, but if you want to read the, the Bible in a year, three chapters a day will get you through the entire Bible. But if you didn't say to me, I have a plan, I would say it's a nice idea, but it's not actually a goal because there's no what? No plan. Like some of you might say to me, I want to lose 20 pounds. Me too. When are you going to exercise? What are you going to eat? What are you going to change? Because you're going to have to do something different for that to occur. So it's a nice idea to want to lose 20 pounds, but if you put a plan against it, now you've got a realistic goal. Maybe some of you want a better marriage. So maybe you need to do some date nights. Maybe you need to plan some times of communication and coffee. Maybe you need to do some more things with your spouse that builds the relationship. Maybe you need to go online and take the five love language test and find out what their love language is and give it to them. Because you might find them get really, really happy if they're tanks full. See, there's lots of things you can do, but put action behind the idea. Wanting a better marriage? Sure. Talk to me about what you're going to do to get it. I want to be more generous, Pastor. Okay, what does that mean? You want to give more of your time? You want to give more of your skill, your energy? Do you want to give more stuff, money, things? Like, what is it that you're trying to do? Like, even like when people talk to me about giving, about tithing, they're like, never tithe, how do you do that? I, I don't know if I can't, I always say this to them, start somewhere 
and then work toward a tithe. Now a tithe is 10%, so y'all know, like I'm not trying to skip the scriptures, but I am saying this, that if you wanna get there, sometimes start. Start somewhere and let God grow your faith. But ultimately you should get there and more. Generosity is a key component to growing in Christ. He's not interested in your stuff, but he knows where your treasure is, your heart is. So if you say, I want to be more generous, I want to serve more, I want to develop, I want to understand the Bible more, Pastor, show up on Wednesdays, get into the men's group, get into the women's group, go somewhere where you can actually grow. Put action behind the idea. Does this make sense, church? Action behind the idea. So when we take communion in just a second, I'm going to ask you just in your own heart with God, what is it that I want to do this year? And then what's the plan behind the idea? Because there's got to be a plan. If there's no plan, you'll never be successful. Now, one of the ways that you build success, and this was kind of cool, we were all around the, the island yesterday and we were just chatting in the kitchen and we're cooking food, we're making pizza, kind of doing the like hangout New Year's thing. And Justin says, first he said something like, what would you change last year? I'm like, I ain't going there. This is a positive night. If I go change, then that means I'm going to look at something negative. Then he said, what was your favorite memory last year? What was your favorite thing that occurred last year? And so we're all kind of sitting around like, oh, that's actually a pretty good question. Like, where would I see something that was, and it didn't even have to be like, the, the, the sky's open and God showed up. It was just, what was meaningful to you? And there was stuff is, is like simple as we went out and explored and had fun together. For me, I reconnected with a friend in North Carolina that I hadn't seen in 30 years. I actually got to see him. It's really cool. Just different stuff. So there were different areas of each of our lives where we went, that was really neat that I got to encounter that. So my question for you is, what was your encounter? What was the thing that you would look back on last year that had a really positive impact on you? really positive effect. It can be something that's glorious and godly, or it can be like, I saw a friend I haven't seen for 30 years. I, I don't know what yours is, but everybody has something last year that you can look at and go, that was pretty darn cool. See, because testimonies build you on the inside so you can look forward to where you're going. That's why I'm doing that with you. So Santosh is going to lead us in a song right now. And as, we, as he leads a song, you can participate in the song or you can just sit with the Lord and listen. God, what is it that you want me to put in front of you as a plan for next year? And what are the steps you'd like me to take? Then the other part of it is, what's my celebration from last year? Maybe you have a list of them. Maybe you have one or two. But everybody's got at least something they can look at and go, that's pretty darn cool. So as Santosh leads us, Sing if you'd like to, quiet your heart with the Lord. When he's done, we're going to take communion together, and then we'll go. Who brings our chaos back into order? Who makes the orphan a son and daughter? The King of glory, the King above all. this place who rules the nations 
with truth and justice and wisdom shines like the sun in all of its brilliance the king of glory the king above all kings we sing of your praise this is amazing grace this is unfailing love Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 11, he said, I received from the Lord <clears throat> that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night in which he was betrayed, he took the bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So Father, we just want to bow our hearts and as we prepare to take communion, we want to say, God, would you attach your will and your direction and your clarity to the plans that you've dropped in our hearts, to the ideas that we have for the next season of our lives? And God, also for the things that we look in reverse and we say thank you that we experienced that in this last year, this last season. God, we're grateful for your faithfulness to us. We really are. Go ahead and eat. Paul continues on, he says, in the same way, he took the cup also. He said, this is the cup of a new covenant in my blood. He said, do this, and as often as you drink it, do it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat the bread and you drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he returns. 
So Father, we want to thank you that the cup represents the shed blood of Jesus. It's the, the sealing of the covenant of grace. It's very powerful. God, we're thankful that forgiveness is always available to us. We're thankful that your power strengthens us not to walk in the way that we used to walk, that we're transformed, we're new creations. As we head into this next year, this next season, and we pray that we would do it with your will in front of us, your direction in front of us, following your voice with your presence. God, we pray that we would do it as a community of faith, as a family, and also as individuals connected deeply with you. We're grateful for your faithfulness to us again. Thank you for your forgiveness. Go ahead and drink. You know, why don't we stand together and let's, let's worship this one song and then we'll head out. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Father, thank you. Thank you for all you've done for each one of us. God, I pray that the season ahead of us would be one of clarity, recognition, understanding of growth. Jesus, we pray you'd keep making us more like you. So grateful that you never give up on us, even when we give up on ourselves. God, thank you for this day, for what it represents, just a, a new year, a new day, a new beginning. God, I pray that we go out of this place uh, full, rich, filled and with a sense of your wisdom and your direction. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Hey, God bless you guys. Have an amazing rest of your Sunday and a great year. Amen. Amen. <laughs>